This week on FX Guide TV. We're proud to bring you a key talk from this year's CVMP conference in the UK. John Brzezinski from the BBC Research and Development discusses the ultra-high definition cameras used at last year's London Olympics. This and more coming up next. This episode of FX Guide TV is brought to you by the new term at fxphd.com. The January 2013 term is now open with a great new lineup of courses and an amazing set of professors teaching them. Check it out at fxphd.com and take your career to the next level. Hello, I'm Angie and welcome to FX Guide TV. Ian Fales was recently in the UK for CVMP. The conference itself has been growing each year and in the past, some of our own FX Guide boys have spoken there themselves. So, we're really keen to support this London conference, which brings industry together with R&D. Yes, uh, apologise that my full title, uh, the, ti the full title of my presentation never made it into the programme. Um, but uh, it, it is, basically, it is on, the, on, how, on how to use these new ultra-high definition cameras and the systems around them. There is a move now in uh, uh, broadcasting to think about what's coming after HDTV. Um, uh, there's been a brief foray with stereoscopic 3D, uh, which is still going on, but already the industry is thinking about what's next. Okay, well, super high vision. Um, these are the basic parameters of it. It's um, over 4,000 lines by nearly 8,000 pixels across, 33 megapixels in sort of stills cameras terms compared with HDTV which is 2 megapixels that's 16 times HDTV um, it's a uh, uh, in the system that we were using at the Olympics which is all the most of the uh, prototype equipment that NHK uh, had NHK are the developers of the system uh, it operates at 60 frames per second progressive it's a 16 by 9 uh, aspect ratio system and it's accompanied by 22.2 multi-channel sound interestingly enough uh, uh, to give a three-dimensional uh, sound effect um, the system has been in operation by uh, been, in, been in research by NHK for many years and how they've dealt with it you'll see later evidence of the fact that they deal with it like 16 HDTV signals but the system is now uh, has now gone the f un undergone some standardization in the ITU uh, um, and uh, some further enhancements to the system have been uh, added, like uh, extended colour gamut. So what, we've, what we use the system for uh, at the London Olympics was to actually um, create a showcase of um, the big screen viewing experience. The BBC has, for many years now, uh, had worked with local councils to have big screens in city centres around the UK and to make major events available on those big screens. Some of you may, have, may know famously proms in the park, uh, when the proms are relayed to the, um, to the park outside Albert Hall, and there's a big screen there. Now, the current big screens you, you tend to see are not even HD resolution. So the thought was, well, how does, how's, how's the viewing experience enhanced if you could have really high-quality pictures that were, uh, uh, where you couldn't actually see the pixels and, of course, high-quality sound to go with it? Um, so we um, uh, uh, decided to trial this uh, with NH collaborating with NHK, who have all the equipment basically, uh, with their Japanese suppliers, and OBS, the Olympic Broadcasting Service, so that we could get access to the Olympic Park and uh, the technical facilities. To actually uh, broad 
uh, transmit this live uh, through, through to various locations in the UK and Japan and in America, we needed the uh, help of the various research organisations around the world. Janet in the UK and the other ones listed there, you'll see, with NTT, the Japanese telecoms company, and BT, the UK telecoms company, helping us out. We um, are having, uh, we had three public viewing sites in the UK, three more in Japan, a private viewing site in the, UK, in, in, in the USA, and a private site on the Olympic Village for the VIPs there. Now, this basically says, uh, we, we operated this like a live uh, television uh, event, really. We, we captured at the Olympic Park. We, um, it, we, we had a mixture of live and pre-recorded uh, content, which we processed in, a, in our experimental studio at Television Centre, and then uh, sent the uh, resulting content out to the viewing theatres. The reason for live and recording was that uh, we uh, had viewers, uh, people coming in to see the content every hour on the hour during the Olympics, and we wanted to make sure everyone saw something interesting and they weren't just sitting there for their, their session, just watching the athletics part being prepared or something. So this is the um, super high vision camera that was used for capturing the uh, uh, 8K content. It's a third generation camera. It uh, uses uh, 1.25 inch sensors. They are actually um, 4K by 2K sensors, but it uses two green sensors uh, where each of the green sensors is offset horizontally by half a pixel and vertically half a pixel, so you can synthesize the 8K resolution in the, in the green, hence uh, uh, use the Bayer effect to actually create your 8K picture. Um, and uh, uh, the, the cameras are still very much experimental. They're, they still weigh about 20 kilograms. Notice the zoom lens options are only five or ten times. Actually, the way this is used, you want to, if you're, when you're capturing a really highly detailed scene, you're, you're not after going after the close-up. You're after a stand-back, more panoramic view, so you don't actually need high uh, zoom lenses. Um, I thought since this conference uh, is looking a little bit more into research that I would just actually include a couple of slides on the uh, ex further experiments that are being done by NHK and their experimental full resolution camera based on their 33 megapixel sensor they've had made for them. Uh, and uh, this sensor is uh, not only full resolution but has the capability of running at 120 frames per second. One, thing, one of the things my, me and my team, when we first worked with NHK a few years ago, noticed was with uh, 8K super high vision, you don't move the camera. You let subjects move across the, the, the scene. And when you do that, uh, particularly fast sport looks blurred, uh, even at 60 frames per second. And so we did some experiments in BBC R&D where we showed that uh, there's a real benefit from going up to higher frame rates. Uh, we showed 100, 100 or 120 frames per second was really, really good. We did some experiments at 300 as well. But from practical limitations, NHK decided that their next generation sensor would run at 120 frames per second. And now that is actually in the standard. The research goes on, though, both at BBC R&D and at NHK, because there is, we still need to actually really confirm what is the sweet spot between frame rate and dynamic resolution, and static resolution, for that matter. They've also gone the other way. NHK have taken that 33 megapixel sensor and put one of them into what looks like a standard HDTV camera body uh, uh, with a bare pattern filter in front of it to make a single sensor uh, uh, camera, 8K camera, which is uh, uh, compatible, which takes um, uh, 35 millimeter um, uh, stills camera lenses. I think they're Nikon mount lenses uh, to get something that's a little bit more practical. 
And the, the, the bottom line of all the of, of showing you these, of course, in your research, as these become available, you, you may actually find use for these uh, in your research. Here's the outside broadcast vehicle uh, uh, shipped over from Japan, uh, just a very small truck, basically empty when it arrived, and it was crammed full of um, super high vision equipment. You can see from the internal picture there, there's a guy there with some la large monitors there in front of him, and behind him, racks and racks of P2 recorders and hard disk recorders to record the, the, the signal. Raw out of the camera, it's um, 24 gigabits per second uh, is the data rate out of the camera. And we did produce at the, st at the start, uh, 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 we did start off raw. The other thing to say about the guy in the truck is that um, the cameraman at the camera can't focus at the camera accurately enough. He's only got a small viewfinder. So uh, the guy in the truck has, has a secondary focus control with a servo mechanism back to the camera to actually do fine-tuning of the focus because he can see on those much larger monitors if the, if the picture is truly in focus. Audio capture to capture the 22.2 channel sound. NHK have tried various techniques, and this uh, rather interesting microphone ball uh, was the main uh, one they used to get the ambience at the, uh, uh, um, at the um, Olympic Park. But they also gathered in all the uh, 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 shared microphones, the split microphone splits, as they call them, uh, into an audio truck, which you'll see there, which was basically just a, 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 a refrigerated van, uh, which was kitted out with a, a sound mixing desk, desk and a miniature 22.2 channel system. You might just see, if I can get the laser going on here, uh, you'll see they look like little computer monitors here, and they are at various levels around the truck to try and create a 22.2 channel sound field. And they did a pre-mix in the truck and then sent it back to our experimental studio centre. So production and play out. Uh, the signal was brought back to uh, television centre from the Olympic Park on dark fibres and it was uncompressed. Uh, it, in this case they treated it, you can either treat it as 16 1080i equivalent HDTV signals or 8 1080p uh, 60 equivalent signals. And in this case they treated it like 10, uh, 8 1080p signals and used 8 um, optical links, wavelength division mods optical links over the, over the fibre to go from East London, the Olympic Park in East London, to uh, um, uh, BBC Television Centre. Notice there are dual paths. They went through two different pops in in London, just in case uh, the, uh, one of the fibres was broken, uh, so we had resilience. And the return path was uncompressed because we actually showed the VIPs in the Olympic Village uh, uncompressed pictures on the on the monitor there. <laughs> Here's a, just a general view of the um, uh, uh, the uh, uh, editing and playout in the uh, uh, TC0, but if we go to the next slide we'll see a muted video. I'll talk over the muted video. Here's uh, a, a general view to give you the impression of the amount of kit that is in the studio centre. Um, uh, uh, it's about four trucks load of kit, all brought over by, by, by NHK from Japan. This is the editing area. Large 4K monitors only there. Uh, uh, this is a, uh, uh, using HDTV at this point as a uh, as a browse quality editing, 8K graphics based on Apple computers, the audio editing room, a slightly larger room, we're again with 22.2 channels, sound speakers dotted around and surrounding the people, uh, and they could fine tune the audio that came from the truck there in a better listening environment. Now that's actually a close-up zoom of an eight full 8K LCD monitor, 85-inch monitor in the preview room which again had the 22.2 .2 channel audio set up. 
and we ch checked our um, package, made sure it was uh, <laughs> uh, uh, going to be uh, uh, interesting enough uh, for before playing it out to the three UK and uh, three Japanese um, uh, uh, theatres. We could take live or we could take uh, recorded packages from uh, that position there. And uh, there's a scan across the uh, playout area. There are two computers there controlling each of two banks of 16 P2 recorders. And again, there you go, 16, equivalent of handling 16 HDTV signals. And there's a main recorder bank and a, a, a backup bank. There's a general view just showing the amount of wiring. When you're dealing with 16 HDTV signals in parallel, you just get a mess of wiring. We need a standard for, a, for um, ultra high definition. Uh, once the um, signal was uh, um, uh, 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 played out, it was uh, converted to IP at uh, 350 megabits per second and then sent out to the um, uh, uh, UK and Japanese sites uh, over optical fibre links through the initially through the, the BBC network, then through Janet. This is our uh, network director area for the three UK sites where we could actually control... Uh, uh, what was happening at each of the sites. They had a chance. Each site had a local recording that was made uh, first thing each day on a, on a, on a computer system, uh, and they could make a, a decision whether to take the local recording or to, go, or to take the play out directly from London. Uh, and uh, usually they may want to take the local recording if they had, uh, for some reason, their audience came in late. We also made our own recordings. That's what the 16 HDTV signals look like. The pixel mapping is not quite what you'd expect, so the colours don't look right. But uh, there we are, um, uh, Julian from R&D making a few recordings, and there are the hard disks uh, making those recordings. I think uh, we'll cut on to the next slide now. Okay, so in summary then, uh, the uh, uncompressed signal was encoded up to uh, 280 megabits per second using uh, AVC, uh, uh, H.264, uh, and that used a bank of eight... 1080p 60 MPEG-4 encoders. The audio was 384 uh, kilobits per channel coded. And the, the, when it was packaged up with 20% error correction, uh, it made a package of 350 megabits per second that was actually sent out on the IP networks. Here's the uh, sort of a cloud diagram of the networks that got to the three sites in the UK. Um, we used Janet as the core network, and uh, 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 we, it got up to Glasgow. Uh, Bradford and London. London did go over the Janet network because BBC R&D have a, 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 a private link to uh, the studio in London. There's the international one uh, where um, uh, we actually from, uh, you have to read it from um, uh, um, uh, uh, right to left, uh, started with the BBC in London on the Janet network, then went over to Giant, and you can see the networks here uh, over the Atlantic to Washington, where from uh, there there were two links. Uh, we had diversity from that point on. We had a Sinet 4 link, and then it went across Internet to and Gemnet to Japan uh, on, their, uh, on that network. So that gave sub-diversity, but not complete diversity. Um, OK, so uh, the interesting thing about this, because um, some, of this, some of you may get involved in actually bussing these very high-quality signals around over IP networks, and this, when it's live, you have no chance of a retransmission if there are packet losses. That's why we had 20% FEC in there to try and cover for some dropped packets. 
what we found was that um, when we initially plugged up the networks, none of them were error-free. It actually took a couple of months to get them error of, well, nearly error-free, so the error performance was, was close enough. Um, but in doing that, you have to be very careful how IP networks work. You have to change one thing at a time and then t soak test it for three, three or four days. What we actually found was that um, we actually found that um, uh, when we had problems, adding monitoring to an IP network causes a problem because the monitoring usually involves circuitry that actually does packet inspection, IP packet inspection, and that can actually cause a bottleneck. So you have to be careful how you deal with this. Um, the UK links were, were, were reasonably okay. The 20% FEC was fine. Um, the sort of delay was around about six milliseconds on the UK links, but the delay was a lot longer on the international links. I think it was up to about 300 milliseconds on the international links. And also the dropouts were worst. Uh, they had to add some extra time interleaving, up to one second of time interleaving, until, uh, uh, which would allow them to uh, have up to 16,000, uh, 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 to drop 16,000 packets in, a, in, in an error burst. Okay, so briefly running through the public viewing theatres. Uh, uh, in Glasgow, it was the BBC uh, studios up there, Pacific Key Studios. In Bradford, it's the National Media Museum, a fascinating place to go. It's the Cubby Broccoli Theatre there. And in London, it's the BBC's Broadcasting House. And of course, the, uh, uh, in also in London, at the Olympic Park, there was the uh, International Broadcasting uh, Centre. Uh, here's just a picture of the, of the free viewing theatres. Um, two of them, uh, Glasgow and London, had 300-inch uh, uh, screens, size screens, about five metres wide screens. Uh, uh, Bradford was a little bit smaller at 250-inch. Unfortunately, due to the wide-angle lenses there to try and get those photographs, you actually lose the, um, the, the, the impression of the size of the screen. But you know, think of a screen, this sort of cinema size that you have here. Uh, projector, pretty unremarkable, really. Uh, JVC projector here. Um, uh, uh, pretty much uh, um, uh, runs like it's pretty much a commercial device. The pre-production one actually acts like a commercial device. Runs with four 4K DVIs into it to set it up, and then just a laptop setup. But to get the uh, focus and convergence right, you have to stand right in front of the screen. That is a 145-inch plasma panel by Panasonic. If there wasn't someone standing beside it, it'd be difficult to gauge uh, its size. But it's huge and it's hugely heavy as well. Needed cranes to actually uh, 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 carry it, um, and, and that was uh, uh, used in the um, uh, uh, Olympic IBC. The interesting thing about this was that um, the idea behind all of this was it wasn't meant to be television. We weren't trying to reproduce television. We were trying to reproduce the experience of being there. So. Uh, when you were in one of those theatres, the, uh, uh, we they had uh, I should have said earlier that they had up to three cameras that could be used. For most of the sporting events, they used two cameras. For the opening and closing ceremonies, they used three cameras. And when the the opening ceremony was 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 one I uh, uh, was able to spend most time watching, and it was really very um, Im uh, impressive to see when you were in that darkened theatre, very much like this, but with all the lights down low, the only illumination from the screen. And the idea behind this, because it's full 8K resolution, unlike a cinema screen here, where the first seats are actually actually about a picture height away from the screen, you're supposed to actually get really close in. You're supposed to be about three quarters of the picture height in there, so it, so the the screen fills your field of view. This is this the resolution is so high that the idea is you want the edges of the screen to disappear from your field of view, and that you really feel you're there. And it really worked. If you're sitting close enough into the screen. 
uh, and there are maybe only a few people in front of you, you couldn't actually tell with some of the wide shots of the stadium where the audience in the theatre ended and where the seats, where you started to see the audience in the stadium uh, uh, actually begin. And the uh, immersive involvement of it was, uh, was, was, really, was really very high. And um, uh, uh, we, we were getting people uh, uh, jumping up and down and standing in the theatre and screaming and doing all the things you'd expect them to do in, in the actual event itself. And quite even frankly, even standing up for the national anthem, which I've never, even, never certainly seen in the cinema. <laughs> so uh, it, it really did prove it's a it's a it's immersive um, um, uh, situation. It, 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 it did prove that we could do this, and it is, as I say, it's different from television. There's a big discussion as to whether uh, ultra HD TV will take off. Uh, the industry's tried stereoscopic 3D, but not quite sure if that's worked, and then they're moving on to. Uh, uh, trying 4K next year. Big debate, is 4K enough or should we jump straight to this 8K? Okay, that's just showing uh, a brief picture of the, of the, uh, of the um, loudspeakers. Uh, it, now, just to say briefly about the loudspeakers, 22.2 channel was chosen by NHK because it's the only practical way they could do surround sound 10 years ago when they, uh, um, or more when they were starting it. It's based on three 7.1 systems ganged up. Uh, but they've modified it since. There is work on 3D sound, and certainly Graham, have a chat to Graham over lunch about it, of better ways of doing it now. But it, it, as it works, it's very, it's very, um, it, it is actually very convincing, but it's probably not the way we would do it in the future. Um, okay, we had some audience viewing figures. Uh, um, actually, they're, they're fairly small in comparison with the viewing figures in Japan. They had about 10 times as many people see it in Japan, but they did have bigger th viewing theatres. Uh, but the most important thing is the positive comments. Have a look at some of the comments. Well, some of these ideas are expensive. Need to get a bigger house. Totally immersive. That's a very common comment. Better than 3D? Interesting comment. Cheaper than buying a ticket. Well, it was free. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my neighbour doesn't get one. I don't understand that comment. Is he scared that the sound might... He might not get any peace and quiet from the sound? I don't know. But, of course, actually, that point better than 3D. When you're doing a panoramic thing, the stereoscopic effect is minimal. You actually get other clue cues uh, to give you depth cues on this, and it really does. You don't notice it's not 3D when you're really immersed in it. Well, here's a screenshot, and I normally say at this point, well, actually, I can't show you full 8K... Uh, uh, because of the screenshot, and actually, if I was a bit more prepared, if th and if this cinema had a 4K uh, display, I could have probably shown you a clip in 4K, but I, unfortunately, I wasn't prepared enough. Next best thing is I can show you the totally immersive effect that this has on someone, our video editor. So if you run the next clip, please, or next slide, should run the next clip. <laughs> That's a full 8K, 85-inch LCD monitor.
Okay, our NHK colleague weren't quite sure what to make of our guy, our friend Ian there. Okay, last slide, please. I'd just like to thank a few people uh, from uh, NHK Entity and the BBC. Tim Fleming from the BBC ran the overall project as a show. I, I looked after the technical side with a lot of colleagues from BBC R&D and a lot of people from the industry. So thank you very much. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can at FX Guide News or on Facebook, just go to facebook.com slash fxguide, where we post not only FX Guide, but also FX PhD news and updates. Well, until next time, see ya. For more industry news, in-depth features, podcasts and forums, check out fxguide.com. And for visual effects training, check out fxphd.com.